Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. So Matthew chapter 11, great part of the Word of God. And I'm going to read to you from the New International Version and from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. And then we'll pray. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God always adds his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we thank you for your word. Come Holy Spirit, we pray into this place with us. You who inhabit the universe and all that's in it, be with us, we pray, as we share together in these moments. We pray to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I heard it recently. It was a bit of a newscast, actually. I don't always sit down to watch the news, but I just happened to be brushing past the TV set, as it were, and I heard something that made me stop. I heard that people are suffering from exhaustion. Can you believe that? People are suffering from exhaustion. And I thought to myself, my goodness, that must be important. And I listened for a little while as they expanded on it as they do. It It seems like there's a syndrome out there called exhaustion syndrome. Our good old friend COVID-19 brought it all out into the open and people emerged out of that particular bubble feeling weary and tired and they don't want to go to work and life's hard and life's difficult. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah? I'm the only sinner in the place. I can see that. We are worn out, it seems, as a nation, as a tribe, as people. And so much going on in our world, it seems, at the moment. Isn't it interesting? Every time you brush by the news or listen to discussion, it seems that people are concerned. Maybe you're here this morning concerned about life itself, worried, a bit weary perhaps. Quite often people are just weary. I remember going to a conference years back in Auckland with John Wimber and John Wimber was a very funny man, great man of God and he just said, you just need the joy of the Lord right now because people are worn out and he prayed and a wave of the Holy Spirit from one side of that huge auditorium to the other went across all the people and they started laughing, some started falling on the floor and All sorts of things were happening. It's all fine. 
people were just tired and worn. We all get there, yeah? Yeah. Every time you brush by the news or listen to discussions about, about life, I'm just gonna turn my stopwatch on here. That's, that first bit comes off the preaching time. Every time you listen, it seems people are, are they, concerned. I, I've lost count of the number of discussions that end up along the lines of, I don't know where it's all going to go. Well, I don't know where it's all gonna end. Great missional line, by the way. If you wanna jump in right there and say, I know where it's going to end. Like Billy Graham said, I've read all the Bible and it goes well at the end. Yeah? But often people are caught in it. I get caught in it. People are worried, they're anxious, they're troubled, they're questioning. There are communities and nations and there's all kinds of syndromes and anxieties. I heard of one the other day and I kind of laughed and then I had to repent. There's a thing called range anxiety. Has anybody heard of range anxiety? Oh, look at you people. You know, you know what range anxiety is about? Now look, you will forgive me for sharing this, I'm sure. Apparently you get range anxiety if you own an electric car. You're worried that the battery might go flat. Well, that's an easy fix, I reckon. You just put the old petrol generator in the boot. Like some guy on a freeway in America did and the policeman pulled him over and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm charging up my car. I know somebody quite close to me who has this particular anxiety. As soon as they get home, they plug her in. Well, I actually get that. I was coming back from Gawler one night. It was late, it was dark. I'd been to a meeting and the orange light came on the dash of the old Isuzu. I can tell you that's a real anxiety because it costs a lot of money to get a diesel motor going if you run it out of fuel. So these things are there and... and you know, the media and the news outlets and all the rest, they kind of play on those anxieties and those fears. Did you know that that's the base of the advertising industry to create anxieties in you that make you want to buy something to fix it? Years ago, I did high school seminars. <laughs> I remember one of them, we had all the kids packed in an auditorium like this one. And we did a thing about, can, can you work out the difference between Coke, Pepsi and just the standard old Foodland Cola? Right? So we blindfolded some kids, they volunteered, stuff like that. It was all, all good and all, all proper. You know, most of those kids could not tell whether it was Coke or Pepsi or just the good old Foodland Cola. Most of them went for the food land. Probably tasted better. Anxiety rips us apart. Need I say more? Well, actually, yes. If you dig down a bit and turn over the soil of our concerns and troubles, there is politics, governments that seemingly have lost the plot. In fact, if they ever had it. Threats to the future in all manner of ways from climate change, global warming, and whether we should be ploughing our fields with electric tractors to say nothing of the poor old cows, which seem to be a threat to our eternal future, and concerns and worries about food and clothing, energy bills, and of course, the cost of living. And 
At a more serious note, the rich seem to be getting richer, the poor poorer. There are jobs for the girls and the boys and people are disappearing off the screen of having a go at things. There's all sorts of stuff in our world, in our society. How do I know this? Well, the media tells me every day of my life. And if not, not careful, I get sucked in. And I mean that. It's very easy to get sucked in and have an opinion about absolutely everything and what we could actually do to fix the world if we had a go at it. We are anxious, it seems, it seems, and we are troubled. Fast forward backwards. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And I suspect it wasn't much different in his day. How do I know that? Why else would he say, Come to me, all you who are troubled and anxious and weary and worn. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. But you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how I know that first century people weren't doing it much better than we are. Why would this amazing man called Jesus say such astonishing words come to me great song Lauren come to me oh yes there was Roman occupation there were overbearing Jewish authorities and leaders there were tax collectors ironic that Matthew who records these words was one of them <laughs> used to be the rich were getting richer, the poor getting poorer, terrible governments, no social service, no care, no fundraising to help cripples, nothing, nothing. And Jesus says, come to me, come to me. He said it, listen carefully, he still says it, come to me, come to me. There is a better way, a much better way. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of rest. It's the way of learning. It's the way of having peace in your soul. And it's the way of knowing that you're not alone and that the burdens of life are carried by someone much greater, much more powerful, much more capable than you yourself are and are ever likely to be. I heard a preacher once at a Global Leadership Summit saying, we have been invaded by a force much greater than us. Well, we know him as the Holy Spirit. You're not on your own. Yeah? I know you're used to talking back so you can. It's fine. At the time, the Bible says, Jesus talks to his father and says, oh, Father, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've kept stuff hidden from the smart Alex, but you've revealed who you are to children. And what had happened at the time? Well, Jesus is on about sending people into mission. Did you know that if you're sitting there right today and you're thinking, what's all this about? That there's a bit of a prod going on behind you all the time as Jesus is pushing you out into mission. Not in any horrible way, but a gentle, come on, go. And he just sent his 12 disciples, that first crew out, 
And he said, you go do this stuff. This is amazing. If you read the Scriptures and see what he said to people, it would scare the life out of me, yeah? I wanna be in comfort zone and do mission easily. Not Jesus. He pushes people out and says, you go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead. My goodness me. And if people hear you, that's great. If they don't, well, just move on to the next lot who will. Because God always has a time for people. Always the right time. And he's just sent his disciples out to do mission. You can see the other the reports of it in, in Luke's gospel and other places. And they are busy. And then Jesus gets back to his core mission, which is preaching and teaching. And the Bible says that's what he does. You can read it in the first verses of chapter 11 that we've looked at together. His cousin John is in trouble. He wants to know whether he's given his life for a worthwhile purpose. And he wants to know whether Jesus actually is the Messiah. He wants to, he wants to know deep in his being, even though he suspects it's correct, he wants to know that Jesus is the real deal. So he sends his disciples out to talk to, to, to Jesus. And Jesus says a message back. And he says, you tell John, you tell John that the blind are healed, the lame are walking, leprosy is cured, hearing is restored, sight is restored. You tell him the gospel is preached to the poor. You tell him I'm on track with my mission to bring salvation to the world. What an amazing part of the Word of God that is. And I, I don't know what went on in John's heart and mind, but you know the story of how John lost his life. What a terribly cruel story it is. But John must have gone to his death knowing that he had backed the right man, even though he knew Jesus as a playmate, as a little boy, as his cousin. Jesus is real, people. And he's still the one who is healing and bringing restoration to lives in people's lives and maybe yours here this morning as well. And after that in the chapter we read, that Jesus wasn't always gentle, Jesus meek and mild. Because he brings a stinging rebuke to a couple of places where he'd been preaching and they simply had not wanted to listen to his word. And not only that, he says, look, if Sodom and Gomorrah had, been, had seen the miracles that I performed, they would have been on their knees in repentance. They would have said, we are sorry God for the way we've been living our lives. Please forgive us. Jesus says, it's going to be bad for you, Capernaum, because you refused to listen to me. Don't run away with the idea that Jesus is all gentle, meek and mild will never bring you into line. My goodness, my goodness. But the difference is, you know it's his love that pulls you back in, yeah? You know it's his love that holds you. You know it's his mercy, you know it's his grace. But he does expect people to listen and he does expect them to respond to what he's on about. And then following on from that, and I love this, Jesus gives us a great insight into who God is. He says, oh, Father, Father, 
Lord of heaven and earth. Those of you who, and there's quite a number of you in this room have known me for more years than any of us can count. You know that if you scratch me very deeply, I will bleed fatherhood. I'll bleed what it means to know the Father. By the way, and this is a bit of an advert, my wife and I just stumbled across something on SBS TV the other night called Show Me the Father. Done by the people that have put out the war room and stuff like that and the, probably the Dobson group and so forth. If you see it, you can get it on SBS Demand. It's called Show Me the Father, based on those words in John 14 where Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the, you know, show us the Father, that'll be enough. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah? So if you see all the Father does, look at Jesus. If you look at Jesus, you'll see all the Father does as well. So if you want to watch that, that's a by the by. It comes off the preaching time, it's all good. And if you, if you want to watch it, I, we were, I was just moved to tears. Some of the stories of how people's lives are restored. Where fathers weren't what they were or should have been and where they were abusive fathers and terrible fathers and amazing stories of how God works in people's lives and brings them home to know him as father. Why would Jesus say this at this point? He gives us this insight into how God works. See, the Father is looking for humility. He has nothing else to worry about than looking for humble hearts. I remember old Jeff Bingham saying once, something along these words, it won't be verbatim, but something along these lines that anybody who's humble and just humbly sits with the Word of God will know, will learn. There's nothing wrong with, with the educative processes that we are so privileged to have. There's nothing wrong with growing in your learning and all of that, but, but there's a hard issue. Can you get that? It's a hard issue. And the father is looking for humility. He's looking for most astonishingly for childlike response. In fact, on one occasion, Jesus took little children and says, if you don't become like these, you've got no way you're going to get there. As the old fusspot disciples were pushing the kids away and saying, don't come near the great man, get out the road. Jesus says, hang on. Unless you've got faith like these children, you won't even get into the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty chilling thing to say, isn't it? You know how we get old and get so sophisticated with everything? And how, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it in 21st, 20th and 21st century life and living. You know, all the minders are pushing the, everybody out of the road of the big shots. Get out the road, get out the road, let him through. He's somebody, she's somebody really important. Huh? Not for God. Not for God. Bring those little kids to me. Come on, bring them here. I used to get people in church get all fussed because kids are running around making a noise. There's stacks of them at Lobethal. <laughs> must be a very fecund city. And I say, hallelujah. And they brush past you and they roar past you and they wouldn't know you're there. You know, 
And I think, hallelujah. Yeah? If you want kids in your church to become the leaders of tomorrow and into the next generations when all us old guys will be dead and they are graves and waiting for the return of the Lord. Yeah? When the body gets reunited with the soul and the spirit and we're one again with our new bodies, well, you just treat those kids well now. Because the faith they catch will be the faith you give to them. And that applies to everyone in this room, by the way. Doesn't matter whether we've had our kids donate time, whether we're grandparents or great-grandparents or even great-great-grandparents, there's a legacy to pass on and we need it for our kids and that's not in the notes. (laughs) Never stick to the notes anyway. The son knows the father. The father knows the son. This is the revelation that Jesus brings to the world. It's here in Matthew's Gospel. It's in other parts of the Gospels. But if you want to see the father, look at Jesus. And if you want to see who he is, look at Jesus. And if you want to know Jesus, look at the father and you will see mirror image all the time. If you want to know what a human being is, look at Jesus. You know how it is we sometimes say, I'm only human, you know. And I say, hallelujah for that. Did you know that to be a human being is an incredible thing? Did you know that's why Jesus said, come to me? Because he wanted people to get their humanness. Because the Pharisees and the scribes and all the other religious dudes were saying, you've got to keep all the rules and regulations to get to know God. Make sure you keep that law perfectly. And Jesus says, hang on, you're made in the image of God. You're made to reflect everything that God is, as my old mate Peter Nichol used to say. You are incredible. And I don't know that we always get that. And I'm not sure that I always get it. But right now, because I want you to get it, turn to somebody and say, you are incredible. Away you go. All right, I only said to say you are incredible. (laughs) And after Jesus has revealed the Father in these words to say, the Son reveals the Father and the Father reveals the Son. How good is that? He then says, come to me. How did he say that? What an amazing, what astonishing words. Who on earth could ever say anything Like that. You can't say it. I can't say it. I dare not say it. Jesus said it. Didn't C.S. Lewis say something in in his uh, wonderful sort of theology, mere Christianity years ago that, you know, if if, if either Jesus is a real deal or he's a complete insane person. Either he is who he says he is or, and I think if I can remember some of the words Lewis said, he's, if, if he's not the son of God, then he's like somebody who, who quote unquote, puts him, calls himself a poached egg. And Lewis is incredibly brilliant, so up to date. And just, just simply saying, nobody can say things like that and be sane or they're insane. Now, Jesus was completely sane. And he says, I'm the son of God. 
I reveal the Father, you come to me. And as such, he actually invites in the Greek, it's imperative actually. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'll have a think about that one day. Oh, that might be a good idea. It's like, come to me. Yeah, you got that? Come to me. The other other parts of the gospel tell us that when Jesus looked out on the crowds, his his stomach turned over. Actually, the Greek's a bit more raw than that. He said, like, his innards, his guts turned over with compassion. Because he saw people that hadn't had a feed for six months. He saw people that nobody cared about. If you were a leper or a lame or you had some disease, well, you get that. that's your fault. You sinned somewhere. You deserved it. If you didn't, your mum and dad must have. Well, somewhere back in your history, you are somewhere there was a bad lot in your family. That's why you can't walk. And Jesus' insides are turning over. Can you get that? You know, we go after the doc and we're so grateful for doctors. Medical profession, incredibly, wonderfully blessed. It's not like that everywhere in the world though. And our Jesus' stomach still turns over for them. And it's out of compassion that he says, come to me. Because he knew people were weary. He knew they were exhausted. He knew about exhaustion syndrome long before we named it in 21st century culture. And this is what he says. Firstly, he says, all of you. Now he could have said to the, the weary ones, come on weary ones, you come to me. But he says, all of you who are carrying heavy loads. I think we need to hear this. The so-called top echelons of our society often carry very heavy loads. Who is he saying come? People who are sick and tired, we often use that expression, People are weary of what is happening in their lives, weary with the corrupt systems of religion, weary of trying to be good and never cutting it. It is so hard trying to be good and never cutting it. Yeah? Jesus says, come. Why? Because you will find deep rest for your souls. You'll find deep rest from carrying burdens. Did you notice Jesus says he'll give people rest? And perhaps that's you here today. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just checking out this God thing. Maybe you're saying to yourself, is there a God? I'm not sure that I believe all this stuff that everybody else in this room believes. Possibly you're here thinking, you know, all these other people have got their act fixed, they've got it all together. I want to say to you, it's okay. Jesus is saying to you and to everybody else, come to me he'll sort you out and Jesus Jesus understands where we are right now what we're thinking what we're struggling with he says come come to me and maybe you know the Lord he still comes it is there by invitation and command for all of us just doesn't stop because we became a Christian 45 years ago 
And then there's the good yoke. There's the good yoke. And it comes and it's had when somebody submits to Jesus' way of doing things. Jesus invited those first hearers to come to him. He wasn't going to lay heavy burdens on their lives. In fact, those who came to him by his invitation would find that he was the load bearer. We'll talk about that a bit more in a moment. But Jesus knows how to take heavy loads from people, of people and from people. Did you get that? Jesus knows how to take heavy loads. You've got to try him if you want him to take the heavy load. If you want to still keep battling with it for the rest of your life, fine, go ahead. See how it works out. It'll probably end bad. But when Jesus says come, he takes the load. (laughs) Maybe you've heard sermons or explanations about this yoke idea and it's one that Jesus is referring to would have been common, a common sight in the agricultural circles of the time. You've probably seen pictures, some of you may have even visited countries where you've seen this kind of thing firsthand. But the, the, the farmers of the day would use some oxen or some beasts of burden and they would get a yoke made, a wooden yoke that you put on the animal that was then attached to a crude wooden plough and they'd dig up their dirt and get it ready for planting seeds of various kinds. All right, you, how many of you have seen those pictures? Quick count. Oh, look, I didn't even have to do the PowerPoint after all. So it works. And uh, when he uses this, this, this uh, image, if you like, they would have known those listening to him immediately what he was talking about. Usually two beasts, mostly evenly matched, but sometimes mismatched on purpose. A larger, perhaps, or stronger or more learned beast would be carrying the heavy load and the, the younger, more, in, more inexperienced, terrible English beast would be, would be there along for the ride, if you like, but learning to do the rope so one day they'd be towing the plough. You get that? Now, if you come to me, says Jesus, I'll bear the burdens in that way. In fact, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me, by the way. Uh, it's a bit like the tiny tot. Those of us who are parents have probably experienced something like this. They want to help mummy. They want to help daddy. Can I help you shift that daddy? And they put all their light, light effort into it and they grunt. You know what I mean? And it's dad doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> My mother, who was a bit of a scallywag, tells the story. She's now gone to be with Jesus. But she tells the story of when she was four, her father was trying to shift something that was very heavy. My mother was always a wisecracker and she says at four years old to my grandfather, will it help if I grunt? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. She did live to be 95. <laughs> so there's no doubt that Jesus carries a heavy load for us and that were, those familiar would have known about that. But there's also another way of looking at this, which is the yoke of religion. And quite a lot of the commentators and theologians suggest that that was, that was there as well, that Jesus was saying to, to his uh, would-be followers, if you come to me, I will deal with the heavy yoke of religion. Now, the Pharisees and scribes, they weren't all bad people, by the way. They knew the word of God. They just didn't get what Jesus was on about, some of them, right? But have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Don't run them into the ground. They were trying to get to God. 
But in the process, they put a lot of burdens on other people. You must keep these rules and these regulations. So they had, for instance, the law of Sabbath keeping, they'd work out how many steps you could walk on the Sabbath day before you actually worked. If you walked 3,000, you're okay. But if 3,001, you're in serious trouble. Well, to us, that's like, oh, what, 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 what? But can you get it? And believe me, there was plenty of it. And Jesus was saying, there's a better way. It's the way of grace. I want to say to you, and if, I want you to listen to this if this applies. If you're trying to do the Christian thing by keeping rules and regulations, give it away. Give it away. Come on. And incidentally, the word come, come on, can be translated when Jesus said come, was kind of come on. If you're trying to do it by rule keeping, you're going to be very sad. And all those around about you who live with you, who know you, they're going to be sad too. Listen, legalism will kill you. It's going to end in bitter tears. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus commands and invites you to come to him and let him teach you. So good. When God nailed me way back in 1976, even though I was raised in the church and gave my life to Jesus when I was 14 and all of that, when he nailed me, what a difference to let him carry the load. Did I know everything? No. Do I know everything now? No. I'm still learning. I've still got the old L plate on the back. That's what a disciple. This invitation come is an invitation to discipleship. It's an invitation to learn from Jesus and to walk with him and to follow him over here as well. Yeah? Say yeah. Up the back? Yeah? Right up the back? Good. It's great to follow Jesus. But oh, I want to tell you, the difference between following him, trying to follow him, and letting him take the load is absolutely amazing. And for some of you here this morning, I want you to hear that word, not from me, from Jesus himself, because some of you are trying to carry it yourself. And you know, as Dallas Willard says in one of his commentaries, we've slipped into a gospel of a kind of sin keeping, keeping ourselves out of bad. Grace will take you to the edge, folks. It will show you that you cannot make yourself holy. But that's why he says, come. All right. Probably trying, time to finish, eh? Who is this Jesus that can say such extraordinary words of invitation? As I've said before, no one else can. 
He alone is Jesus. He's the Lord. He's there with the Father from the beginning. He's the creator. He's the eternal son of God. He's redeemer. He's saviour. He alone opens the gates. He alone says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He alone goes to the cross to bear away our sin and shame. He carries our griefs and bears our sorrows. Yes, and he took all the deserved punishment for my sin into his body on that tree and he dealt with it and he cried out, it is finished for John Smith and for whoever you are. That's who Jesus is. I like it when people say hallelujah. In one of my churches, I had this fantastic guy. He was a big burly Scotchman. When I got excited preaching, he would say, preach it, brother. (laughs) Preach it, Johnny. Oh, I'll come and crush you like a wee worm. (laughs) I love that man. Jesus says, come to me. And here's the thing. When he said that, he knew he would have to go to the cross. Yeah? He knew he'd have to die. He knew it. He knew that he'd have to die to grant people rest forever in God's presence. He knew that. And believe me, when the time comes for us, it will, and it will, you will want Jesus on your side. So what matters is that you come to him. We're invited We're invited to come to him, not to an idea, not to an ideology, not to a club. We're invited to come to a person. And we're invited to come to a person where there's a better way. See, the better way is, quite frankly, we don't have to buy into the narrative that the world is offering us right now or has ever offered to people. Quite frankly, the world's been let down by the Enlightenment. It's been let down by Marxism and politics and of both sides of the persuasion. It's been let down by so many isms very, very badly. When we've said to God, we don't need you anymore, God says, okay, try it without me, see how you get on. But there's a better way, people. And it's not that you're a religious, holy people that come to church on Sunday and give up all your free time doing things for the church and for other people. It's because this is actually life. And you do life together and you do life better because the one who says come is not just with with us individually, although this is very particularly in an individual passage, but he, he brings us in together, yeah? Doesn't he? And he yokes us up together and he's carrying the load for the church. Yes, say amen. Come on. He's carrying the load for the church and he's saying, you go out and share what I'm on about and I will carry that burden for you. And you'll be so surprised when you see miracles happening, when you see people's lives changed, when you see transformation going on, when you see communities touched by the Word of God, when you see people desperately sick being healed emotionally, physically, and in all kinds of ways, then the world will say, hey, this Jesus, come to Him. Come to Him. So let's not get caught up in all that's unhelpful around about us. We don't want to go there. I'm talking to all of us today. I'm talking to this old bod as well. Man, oh man, they said retirement would be easy. Don't you believe it? 
I heard people say, I've heard people say, I can't get into much problems. I'm at home all the time. I can't sin much. And I think, hallelujah, I can sin the whole time at home. Just ask my wife. She's been with me long enough to tell you the truth. So the reality is, people, this is for me and you. And we're still learning and still growing. Let's finish. It struck me that the Bible itself is a, an invitation book. Yeah? The book of the Revelation, right at the end, where it closes off, where Billy Graham says, I've read it and it's all going to turn out well. The Spirit and the Bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. How good's that? Yeah? Come, come, come to me. Last words. God is a God who is always wanting to show up. He's always wanting to do stuff. In some of the congregations that I've pastored, God has been, we've had some incredible, incredible times of revival, incredible healings and, and amazing times of God where people would hang around for hours and hours and hours. We'd start an evening service at six o'clock or something like that and we were still, people were still leaving at 11, 12, you know. Leave some people out in the front steps of the church so drunk in the spirit of God that we just left them there. When I think about it, we were highly irresponsible. We should have actually taken them home. But we didn't know what to do with them. It's great when God does stuff like that. And it's great when people come. And I can tell you the story without breaking any confidence because I'll just share it in very general terms, but it was very personal. I can remember one day my wife and I praying for one particular person who'd been sexually abused and had carried the scars for 35 years. But, she, but this person came, just wanted to lay it at Jesus' feet. And as my wife and I prayed for her, she, this person kind of collapsed, but didn't fully collapse, just we held her sort of in a funny slanting position. God did the most incredible thing. In 20 seconds of her life with Jesus, more had happened to heal her of that hurt than in all her, previ all her previous life that had been lived. Now, it's not to say it always happens like that because you've got to come to Jesus all the time. You've got to walk with him. You've got to follow him, yeah? Oh, boy, can God do some stuff. Those of you singing might like to come. I'm not going to put any great pressure on you as a person or as individuals or groups, whatever, but I do want to make it an open floor here if you just want to come and share for any kind of reason, for prayer. Robin will be here, the prayer team. And you, and you might want to respond to the message. Don't worry, right now, can I ask you to do one thing? I don't, I don't actually like this all that much. You know how they tell you to close your eyes and that. I, I once told people to bow their eyes and close their heads, and they all did. It was funny. 
I thought I was doing the right thing. So I'm not real good at this stuff, but I do know that when when God's around, and He's always around, yeah, I get that, okay, forgive me, that bit of heresy, but He's always here. But sometimes it's kind of special, yeah, and you get an opportunity. And I don't want to nudge you, push you, cajole you, or coerce in that sense, but I do want to make a place for anybody that we could pray here, or you might want to pray where you are. But I also want to right now ask you to do just what I ask, close your eyes and bow, just not look around, respect other people's privacy. And right now, just forget about everybody else in this room. Me, the people up the front, whoever, just forget about them. Even your dearest, beloved marriage partner, whoever, it's all good, but just right now, make it your moment to come to Jesus. Might be for yourself, it might be for a loved one that you wish was here with you. Might be for kids, grandkids, great grandkids, I don't know, but but just you and Jesus for a moment or two. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Touch lives. As the team just uh, singing in the background, I'm just going to ask you to continue in that that quiet with the Lord. Robin will be here to to lead people in prayer. I'm going to ask you to come. There's, I do sense there's some healing stuff that God wants to do. I was going to ask you to raise your hands, but don't do that. If you just just come for people to pray for you about whatever issue might be going on, you might just want to come because you want to come. Just be with with the Lord in these particular moments. But I sense there could be a, could be a thing happening here this morning. I, if we just move, say, Lord, you know, we've got a few minutes of our week to give you in this way. I might come back a bit later on, but I'll leave it with Robin right now. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.